Have you ever listened to somebody at a staff meeting or a conference or something, and you're really listening to what they're saying, and you're like, they're not saying anything. Maybe you're thinking that right now as you're listening to this podcast. But you know, they're they're using kind of like abstract terms, you know, and these analogies that are just utterly useless, you know, the well, the cat has scratched the ball of yarn, and we all know what that means for our business. Oh, you think about like in, in, in graduate school or like a staff meeting, right? Where you have to do some prep work to get ready for it. And you always have like the one person who is not prepared. And you know, you're going around the room. Maybe you got, you got to develop goals for the year with your department, or maybe you had to read something for class. And that one person who's not prepared is like, well, you know, before we get to that, let's talk about why we're really here. Let's look at the big picture, which is utterly infuriating, right? But what's probably more infuriating is that people around the room are like nodding their head. Right? Oh yeah, that's, that's right. Well, yeah, I think I think he's right. I heard the cat scratch the yarn last night. He said what we were all thinking. He's so brave and learned. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about pseudo profound bullshit, and then later we're going to talk about listening. What a perfect combination. So, pseudo-profound bullshit, getting into a little profanity. Um, I try to avoid profanity on the podcast. Um, but, you know, if you go to, like, if you go to Barnes & Noble and you see some of the books that are out on the table, not the ones that are tucked up into the shelf like mine, but the ones that are out on the table, they all have, like, the F-bomb on them. Have you seen this? Or it's, a, it's like, the, it's F with the three asterisks, Right. We all know what it means. It doesn't mean flip. And so it makes me wonder, like, wait a minute. My book has no profanity, and it's on the shelf. These F-bombs are everywhere, and they're out here. People are buying this stuff. Maybe I need to, maybe I should have called it Effing Numb. The Effing Numb podcast. People are like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. I think it would, like, ingest, or eject, not ingest, it would inject an element of, Maybe testosterone, right? Like, I would still be talking about the same quirky, nerdy things that I talk about, but people are like, man, I love that FNM podcast. But I digress. All right. So, pseudo profound bullshit is basically what seems to be something that's impressive, you know, some sort of statement that seems to be impressive that's presented as true, right? And that it has real meaning to it, but there's really nothing to it. So I use the example of the, you know, the, the, the cat scratching at the ball of yarn or whatever. Now, it seems kind of silly, and I'm presenting it in a silly way, um, and a meandering way too, I might add. Um, but it has real implications when it comes to elements of how we are susceptible to fake news. And we've talked about, you know, fake news a lot. Um, and incidentally, you know, that term is not like five or six years old, like people think it is. Fake news goes way back. It goes back like a hundred years. That phrase is, is, <clears throat> has been around a long time. And as we've talked about before, you know, if we're working under completely different 
sets of facts, to hell with agreement in society. I mean, we're not even going to be able to get to compromise. Now, we could talk about the fact that people aren't, you know, like politicians aren't rewarded for a compromise. That's, I'm not getting it. This isn't a political conversation. Uh, it's never a political conversation. But if we can get to a point where we're all critical, we look at our information with a critical eye, whether it's the you know donkey in the staff meeting that just wants to ramble on, and sometimes they raise their hand to go first. Are you kidding me? Anyway, I'm off that. If we could be more critical with, with those types of things or more critical with information that is relevant to really important things for ourselves or our families or whatever it might be, then we're going to be better off. Then maybe we'll get to, to this sense where we can you know, maybe compromise um, on some level or at, or at minimum at least understand these issues a little bit better. There's a cool study. Uh, Gordon Pennycook and David Rand published this, this paper called Who Falls for Fake News? The Roles of Bullshit, Receptivity, Overclaiming, Familiarity, and Analytic Thinking. And it came out in the journal Personality. Um, it's in uh, Volume 88, Issue 2, uh, 2019. And so they found 1,600 people, participants in the study, um, they used MTurk for those of you out there, researchers out there. Um, and basically, the people have a tendency to, some people have a tendency to just accept certain things as being profound or as fake. As fake. And there's some element that, you know, the individuals in the study who scored higher on an assessment of analytical thinking they tended to be less vulnerable to believing this fake news. Whereas other people um, engaged in what the authors call you know, reflexive open-mindedness, where they are, quote, overly willing to accept or believe a wide variety of claims without thinking analytically about them. And it makes them prone to falling for fake news, pseudo-profound bullshit, and large class of other types of deceptive or simply false claims which has implications to societal things, but it also has implications for them potentially as consumers. I add parenthetically to what the authors just said there. Um, so there's a lot of, there were, there were several sites that, I always like that when I read a study like this, I always want to see who else is writing about it. And it's always interesting to do that. Those of you researchers, I, I know you, you've done this millions of times. Um, and it's funny, like like in this study, like somebody had written, I won't say which site, but basically the dumb people, you know, fall for have this reflexive open mindedness and smart people don't. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, we can get to a point, no matter what your IQ is, where we can all be looking at our information with a more with a more critical eye. We could say, Okay, well, what are you really saying here? Or how do you know that whatever you're saying to be true? And if we can get to that point, we're going to be better off. We're going to be better off as consumers. We're going to be better off as as clients. You, you know, why? Do, okay, you just told me all this data, all these data about you know mortality and earnings and whatever. How do how do you know that to be true? How does that involve me asking those types of questions? Um, you know, there, there are 
It's almost a soapbox moment. You know, there are a million different ways where we need to be more tolerant, right? We just do. We, we, we're struggling with that for lots of different reasons. But I think actually think one area that we need to be less tolerant is with our information. And we need to be more critical. And we need to obviously thinking about a balanced diet of where our sources are, but even the sources that we that we go with all of the time, we need to be critically listening to those things and say, wait a minute, what exactly is it that you're saying? Why the hell does it matter that that, where's that cat you're talking about scratching the yarn? What cat? I'm allergic to cats anyway. What are you talking about? How do you know this? Or if it's cable news or if you pick up a tabloid at the newspaper. Unbelievable, they still have those, by the way. I saw that at a grocery store not too long ago here in the city. They, they have tabloids. People like buy paper tabloids. And it makes me wonder like, why they do it. I know I get an email. I know there's psychology people that listen to this. I know there's been research on it. I'm sure. I don't know it. I didn't look it up. It's just a wonderment that just came to my head just now. And maybe, they, maybe people read that because they, they, they find it entertaining and it, and they know it's fiction, but you know, there's probably some people that really do think that, you know, Justin Bieber has three years, or I don't know, whatever the tabloid's writing about. Nevertheless, critical, looking at all of our information with a critical eye, even if it's good information, no different than going to a doctor's office and getting a diagnosis. You do, you know, if somebody said to you as a patient, and you had good health care, and I hope you do, said, you don't have this terrible disease. Would you follow up? Or would you say, that's what I wanted to hear, I'm moving on. You might get a second opinion because the stakes are that high. And sometimes we got to think about that when it comes to our information sources. Even if we don't, if it's something we want to hear, maybe we need to, we need to follow up. And if you didn't prepare for the meeting, why don't you just stay quiet? Back in a moment. The Num Podcast is supported by We Learn. We love learning. We Learn is on a mission to help organizations build better humans through learning. It provides a full range of services to assist its partners in building world class learning and a world class workforce. We Learn is also the recipient of three coveted bronze Brandon Hall Group Awards. Check out their blog for content on learning, development, training, and more at welearnls.com slash blog. That's welearnls, W-E-L-E-A-R-N-L-S, dot com slash blog. This is a Numb Podcast. I'm Dr. Charles Chapin. Numb, 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 numb. How many good listeners do you have in your life? You know, if you got more than one, you're probably doing pretty well. Because we're, we're terrible listeners. We're terrible listeners in the workplace. We're terrible listeners when it comes to our partners or friends. And, you know, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Um, I, I think one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons is we tend to we tend to take turns talking a lot. 
So when someone's saying something, we're thinking about what we're going to say while they're saying it. Meetings are like that, right? I mean, the boss is there. You want to look good. So you're, you know, you're, you want to be locked and loaded. Okay. I think she's almost done. I hear words, words, words. And once those words end, then I'm going to chime in. You know, it's like the Charlie Brown, you know, cartoon with the, you know, the teacher would just, you know, guang, 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 guang. That's kind of how we're, that's kind of how we're processing what another person's thinking or what another person's saying, rather while we're trying to get ready to say what we're going to say. And so we end up just kind of taking turns talking. We're not really conversing, which is a real problem, you know, from an interpersonal perspective. I think from an interpersonal perspective, it's probably my biggest pet peeve. And that's saying something, because I got a lot of them. But probably my biggest pet peeve is that people, a lot of people, tend to be bad listeners, and they, they just take turns talking with people, right? So you see somebody, you know, you haven't seen in, I don't know, a couple of months maybe, and they say, hey, how you doing or whatever, and you say, ah, oh, man, you know, my, my dog just died. You know, and instead of the other person saying, oh, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that, you know, they'll say, my dog died three years ago. <laughs> I go, Wait a minute. Can I have a moment here? We could talk about my dog. So we, we kind of just got to take turns talking. In a workplace, right, you know, all the reasons why people think it's important to collaborate kind of go out the window if you're not really listening to the other person or other people. If you're taking turns talking or if you're just constantly distracted, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Uh, we've spent tons of time on distraction already. Um, so, so a lot of this, you, you can kind of fill in the holes with that. But, you know, if we're distracted by what we're th- worried about, what we're going to say, again, back to back to this notion of, of having a finite amount of ca- cognitive resources, if we're focused on what we're going to say, we're not listening. And first of all, they may not be listening to us anymore either, right? So if we're, if we're not good listeners, it doesn't really help uh, help the team in having good listening all the way around. So... We're going to talk about five things that we can do to be a better listener. So, number one, and by the way, I would say that, that this is like probably like, I don't rank them, but probably like the sixth most thing that I get emailed about. That people, they use it in the sense of distraction, that people close to them aren't listening to them because they're on their phone. That comes up all the time. People do not feel like they're being listened to. Um, that is an unscientific sample, but that's kind of what, uh, it's certainly on a lot of people's minds. So what can we do? Well, number one, we should find out how good of a listener we really are. Ask, ask your colleagues and coworkers. My good listener, ask the people that report to you. Find out. It's a great way, you know, let's, let's assess. I mean, ask your partner. You should get lots of points for asking. I mean, don't do it for the points. The points are kind of like secondary, right? But you should get points for that. Am I a good listener? Right? Find out where you are. You know, having that initial assessment with anything is always important. Right? When it comes to the idea of listening, we certainly need to be cognizant of the emotions of the individual. Right? So this idea of somebody, if somebody's really, really happy or really, really sad, we really need to recognize that or recognize the seriousness of something in a meeting, 
we need to acknowledge whatever emotion that is being conveyed there. The third is this element of of repeating points. Um, I'm uh, I'm co-authoring a book right now in the area of of uh, of uh, financial planning and psychology in that area, and this whole notion of of how we do listening with our clients is really really important. But it's important in everything, and one of those elements is ask ask clarifying questions. Ask them to repeat things. It helps to it helps that person realize that you're listening to what they're saying. So what I heard you say is, or you said this and this and this. Did I get that right? Now you know. Now you're what you're demonstrating. First of all, you, it helps that you're going to get it right. You know what they're saying. But secondly, it demonstrates that you care. Right. Really important too, as a supervisor. What you're saying is this. People feel like they're being heard, which is a good thing, right? Fourth, clarify, clarify, clarify. So let's let's go back to this for a second. In the, in 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 the in the in this particular episode, you said this and this and this, and what you're conveying is here, right? Now, what are you going to do there? What about this? What about that? I one of probably one of my worst and best traits is that I will tend to interrupt with clarifying questions a lot. I'm really interested, so I'll interrupt the person multiple times. I'm biased. I think it's a good thing because I think it. I, I'm interested. Like, I really am interested. I'm not trying to impress them with my interest, interest but I just want to know. So I'm going to ask, and I don't wait until the end. And that's probably annoying. Um, I should probably work on that. I should do. I should do an assessment, find out. But it just helps me because that's where my mind goes. Like if they're telling me a story about their day, I wanna, I wanna make sure I got it as we go. So I'm gonna ask all those questions. Um, and then finally, don't flub. So this whole notion of flubbing, right? Where we pick up our phone. Don't do that. Don't, you know, if you're an easily distracted person and you're going on a date with someone and you want to demonstrate that you're a good listener, don't sit at a table that's facing a television. Just don't do it. All right. Just don't. So, you know, limit your distractions and focus on individuals. That's that that goes back to all the stuff we've been talking about before. We need to be better listeners. It will help. So hopefully those five uh five steps will will be useful to you. I do want to mention a man walks down the street. It's a street in a strange world. Maybe it's the third world. Maybe it's his first time around. Doesn't speak the language. He holds no currency. He is a foreign man. He is surrounded by the sound, the sound, cattle in the marketplace, scatterings and orphanages. He looks around, around. He sees angels in the architecture, spinning in infinity. And he says, amen and hallelujah. You could call me out. Paul Simon. I don't have a year on that. My guess would be 1989. Anyway, I'll get lots of emails about that. Uh, you could get the Nub Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you do get the show through Apple Podcasts, I really hope you'll leave me a review. I've been getting some nice reviews, and I really appreciate it. It helps. 
I have one email I want to share today, and it's from Cami in New York, New York. Could be my neighbor. I don't know. Cami says, thanks for the podcast. I just finished the book and loved it. I had parenthetically. Thank you, Cami. Uh, I teach in the public schools here in New York, and it seems like students have shorter attention spans now than before. I think it is all about TV and the internet. What do you think? Well, Cami, thank you for that email. Um, it could be for a lot of reasons. Um, we do have data that says that attention spans are shorter now than what they were before. Um, you know, you, you could go on. I think I've shared this, you know, it, you know, the, like the Microsoft research and people saying, well, you know, we've got shorter attention spans than goldfish, you know, that we were at like 15 seconds, I think, in the early 2000s, and now we're down to eight or nine. And goldfish is like one second longer. I think we were at eight and the goldfish is at nine. I don't know the methodology for the goldfish. I, 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 at some point, I need to find out more about that. I'm not going to just accept that. Going back to the earlier part of this episode as fact, but I'm going to repeat it, I guess, as I'm doing right now. Um, I I think there's an element there, Cami, of of what we call context switching is probably part of this too, right? That, you know, this idea of context switching is basically that we're just going from, you know, one thing to another, and usually these two tasks are not really related, um, and we get in a habit of that. Um, and, and I'm putting aside a lot of causes here, you know, I'm not getting into, you know, students that might have ADHD and other things. I, I'm kind of staying out of that, but, you know, we do, it is, context switching is expensive for us cognitively. And I, I've talked about that a couple of episodes ago, but I do think that we, it is harder for people to focus on certain things for longer periods of time. And one of the ways we address that is by we have shorter bursts, whether it's of work, of study, whatever it might be. And then we have breaks in between. And we limit our distractions when we're having those shorter bursts to really focus on what it is that we're going to do for however long that is. And if it's if we can only do five minutes of really concentrated time, then that's what we start with, and we try to and we try to expand that, extend that as best we can. Um, and there's ways we can go about doing that when it comes to like students and trying to get them in a state of flow, which is always helpful too, and all this and whatnot. So I'm not I'm, I'm not going to dive into exactly why I would say our attention spans are shorter, and we're we're getting into a habit of being distracted all the time and and, and context switching and 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 leave it there. But I would say that. If that's probably, I don't, I'm not surprised it's an issue for your students that you're seeing it as a bigger issue. But, and I would find ways to just have shorter periods of real focus uh, with your students and, and try to try to work with that and limit distractions as you, as you go. But thank you for that email. Um, I want to mention too that the Num podcast, the audio engineer for the Num podcast is Tim Dolbear, and the music is written and performed by the great. Jim Torito. Keep the emails coming. You can email me at the num podcast at is the num podcast, all one word at gmail.com. You can follow me on all the social media spots if you like. Um, and with that, I say thank you for, for listening once again. And remember, if you're not where you are, you're nowhere. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>